0: The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter, and what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Cat Napsack for another edition of the show that looks into... The world of ice and fire. Looking back on HBO's Game of Thrones. Looking ahead to what is coming. Diving into the books and a lot more. And as of late, answering a lot of your wonderful what ifs, your questions, your theories, your responses back to other what ifs and theories. We got some of those coming on later in the show. But we had some news break this week that you know it's still we'll say it's in that exclusive. Deadline reported it, so it's more than just a rumor from a weird website. It's a legitimate movie press site reporting this exclusive that HBO is moving forward on another pilot. We know they were developing a few. We know that Naomi Watts-led, not-quite-officially-named Blood Moon series is still in pilot phase. Shot, waiting to get the series pickup, but now we might have a second one in the works. Fire in Blood, the George R. R. Martin Part 1 volume of the history of the Targaryens is in the works and we want to dive into what that might mean some possibilities and this isn't going to be the only time we do that. but i knew there's no possible way i could do that alone so back on the show she's got a busy work schedule she's recently retired from the schmodown was one of the greats of the game welcome back to Castly talk our friend our colleague our co-host rachel cushing how are you rachel
1: I am lovely. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited to, to get back into Game of Thrones mode.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good. You can free up some of your time studying those yes. nasty movies.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I'm free. So free.
0: <laughs> and yes, we are doing this one via the phone call uh, option mm-hmm. from Roadcaster Pro. Thank you for making that possible, Roadcaster Pro. It's so easy. Just a couple clicks of the button. Uh All right, Rachel, this news kind of came out of nowhere. Now, we know that they were working on this kind of thing. Brian Cogman had uh, taken a swipe at this during that we're making five uh, prequel scripts era a couple uh, Mm -hmm. years ago now. What what were your initial thoughts when this kind of floated out into the ether?
1: It was funny. It was twofold. Initially, it was surprise, but then almost immediately followed by, of course, because (laughs) you just, you can't not, Take on the Targaryens, especially yeah. with the the book coming out, but also with the Blood Moon slash Long Night, you know, uh, <laughs> longer, series longer,
0: longest night. Yeah,
1: yeah, we're still not sure what, what the that is officially going to be called, but that you know was I think a, a surprising choice for them to green light and do a prequel series on because. It has no dragons. It has mm-hmm. no tar- Targaryens or Valyrians or anything like that. It's it's all in on you know. Uh, real ancient history in Westeros and the um, possible origins of the White Walkers and everything like that, which I am over the moon for, yeah. no pun intended, but, <laughs> you know, you know, very excited. But, you know, to for the next one to be greenlit, to go in the opposite direction, you know, the whole A Song of Ice and Fire thing, to go full on in with dragons and full on in with Targaryens, just makes so much sense to me. Uh, yeah. I'm so curious what... You know, um, mm-hmm. Ryan Condal brought to the table that Brian Cogman didn't, considering Cogman's pedigree with the show. So that's uh, a very curious aspect of this. But yeah. I'm just super excited overall.
0: That, that's a great place to dig in a little bit more when I heard the news. Uh, I actually was at Collider doing some freelance work, and, and Thad Williams came out and told me, and Thad Coaster, a TV, uh, TV talk show with, with Makuga and Roxy. And we mm-hmm. were talking about it, and he goes, well, Cogman was the one who took a swipe at it. I said, that's really weird, just like you said, Rachel, because Cogman was the lore guy he was the mm-hmm. book guy he was the guy yeah. hey hey, brian what happened and that doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna, gonna automatically translate into great pilot so i'm so curious too uh rachel because how did he approach it? there's 300 years of history right where where do you yep. think where where would you like to see this start and and, and condo by the way side note what is it? i i i didn't watch uh the show that he put together that was behind uh colony C- colony so, yeah, yeah. I heard good things about it, though. Um, where, Where is, you and I have read Fire and Blood. We're also steeped in the history, uh, of course, yeah. but where do you even envision this starting? From the beginning? Aegon's Conquest? Post-Conquest?
1: In In my mind, that's where you start, but the Deadline article did hint at the Dance of the Dragons being sort of a bigger focal point, so I don't know what kind of preamble we'd get because dance of dragons came kind of at the halfway point of that 300 years approximately um so you know it's interesting that is certainly the most cinematic the Mm. most targaryens there's tons of targaryens at that point you know with the two the greens and the blacks and so many factions and some of the best characters in, in this entire period um Corlys Valerian yeah. and Daemon, but, uh, oh, yeah. not Blackfire, but but Daemon Targaryen, there, and all of the dragons. Like, there's a lot of them <laughs> at this point, so you can see why that is, you know, so tempting a story to tell. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. at the same time, to go back to how it started to me would be. A great way to you know to tell the whole story and i'm so curious aegon targaryen the aegon the conqueror is such an enigmatic character and i would love to see the tv show take him on and really dig into what that character was because he started it all um but i don't know if you start there there's a whole lot of history in between the two so do you whip through it to get to Dance of the Dragons? Do you do a season a king? Do you... Mm-hmm. There's so many possibilities. Well,
0: that's, so that's interesting. That's one thing the things I thought. Yeah, so, we, you know, we're, we're talking... The, the first book, it's, it's about 150 years or so. Um, <laughs> yeah, the sexiest thing is the Dance of Dragons. Uh, that's yeah. absolutely it. and especially if you're out there and, and the final season of Game of Thrones didn't have the giant dragon on dragon uh, ice fire versus uh, frost fire versus flame fire uh, <laughs> battle that you wanted. This might be the story for you, but I am really interested in diving into the conquest door, not bending the knee, all the things Mm -hmm. going on there. So I would want it to start there. I just don't, I'm not convinced that that is where they'd go. Yeah.
1: um, And if, if I was to, you know, postulate a wild guess, Mm -hmm. I think that's what Cogman did because you know yeah. he was, he's the one who wrote the episode where Jorah and Tyrion take the boat through Valyria and we know he's such a history guy and a lore guy mm-hmm. with all of this and I could just, you know, and in my head I'm I'm picturing full Lord of the Rings prologue that tells <laughs> us about Valyria and Dana the Dreamer and yeah. the, the Targaryens fleeing and then the Doom and you know, and, and, and setting this up as, as this, this mythical family and being on Dragonstone and then Aegon making that decision and landing at the Blackwater Rush and then starting the whole thing. Like to me, that is just such a great entry point, and it strikes me that Cogman probably thought so too. So Mm. maybe that's the difference. Maybe you know that Condal's approach was, you know, we'll we'll do a prologue, we'll get. You know, we'll set all the pieces up that, uh, from the mm-hmm. conquest and and you know the ups and downs of you know uh, Aenys and Magor and, and yeah. I mean you could do you could do an entire series on Jaharis alone his yeah. entire reign in fire and blood is is incredible and with so many great characters but you know maybe the dance of the dragons was the key maybe to getting to that point in Targaryen history to mm-hmm. to dive into that could take multiple seasons and maybe that's what Condol brought to the table that was more um mm-hmm.
0: you know interesting to the HBO people who knows yeah i that's what i love I, I mean again i think it's the sexiest thing it's the one that's got yeah at least 5 seasons in it for me you know and and yeah. and the other one but i, I we, you know you touched on a little bit like could the you know an anthology series would that work yeah. season 1 the conquest season 2 megor the cruel or Jaharis, all the stuff I, I i mean that is intriguing to me as a fan like you mm-hmm. and i i don't know if that works for HBO <laughs> Yeah. Would, would you like a seven-part anthology series on the history? No, give us dragons <laughs> fighting. Give us Targaryens fighting. That just makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there, there's some wars here and there, but a lot of that is intrigue. A lot of that is character. And I think we can, you know... Uh, legitimately say, after the end of Game of Thrones, they sort of were a little more all in with the spectacle than they were with you know a lot of the character and the politics and the things that mm. we loved so much in the early parts of the series. And it's a choice, and and it worked because we have the foundations for the earlier parts of the series. So right. you know, culminating in, in in both those major set pieces in um, the final season was was you know it still worked for me and, and a lot mm. of fans and whatnot. But but you can kind of see the writing on the wall in terms of what hbo wanted out of those seasons and where their emphasis was placed and therefore you know if these same people are in the decision-making power here i can see that being a part of why um it seems at least according to the article that the dance that that particular civil war is the um, is is the thing to dive into with this show
0: this is a draw yeah now you you and i both love fire and blood right am i wrong yeah. right no it
1: was su- <laughs> and like i was surprised how much i loved it because yeah. it is So many names, so many names, and a lot of them are similar and there's a lot thrown at you, but it just, it fleshed out a little bit more of the world. And I just loved all the family because the family dynamic stuff was happening before you got to the dance. There was a lot of infighting and intrigue and interesting yeah. Uh, perspectives and everything And then you had the great houses and, and I can't wait to dig into some houses that You know mm-hmm. we didn't in Game of Thrones Like, like let's dig into the Strongs Like yeah. that's going to be like a really great house To like learn about and you know And yeah. other and then we will have similar Familiar houses you know similar, the yeah. Tully's Were involved and the Lannisters and You know so there's a lot of um, You know connections to be made A lot more connections to be made Between Game of Thrones and this kind of a Series than there will be with um, um, the Blood
2: Moon slash Long Night series, Absolutely.
0: So and and you're right. The the DNA of the of the dance starts with Aegon and his sisters. It, with yeah. with they're their, their kind of different views on things. So yeah, it's a it's a lot there. Uh, um, I, I I'm so intrigued. The, you know, in talking with that over there, Clutter he he brought he thinks, and I, I was looking trying to find some some words in a in a report about it. But uh, there's some talk that maybe. Because I'm like, what do they do with two series? One in the fall, one in the spring? Like, what do you do? And he says, I think think they might be looking at HBO Max for, for this series. That HBO Max, the content, you get both, but you wouldn't get a series like this on HBO regular. You'd have to buy the service. With the industry going that direction, I mean I'm like I'm a take my money type of guy in that scenario anyways then I guess yeah. I couldn't miss this I can't miss the Disney plus stuff with Star Wars uh, right. could you see that happening Rachel
1: It it would be a bold move but at the same time I could they have to at least be talking about it that to me you know cuz the it it was I remember people going through this with CBS all access yeah. and whether or not the new Star Trek Discovery show was enough it was, it, you know, to, to, to have mm. a brand new Star Trek, you know, in the geek world, like that was so enticing and brought people over to that service and agreed to pay that service that probably wouldn't have for more normal CBS type shows and, and the other things that were offered there. So if you, if you, if you, you do tantalize fans with something that big, like you try to hook them with that big a fish, then most of them, they'll be grumbling. There'll be plenty of grumbling, (laughs) but they're still, like you said, going to fork over the money because how do you not, you know chime in for Or, or tune in for another yeah. uh, Martin show and that's the other great thing Is that Martin's involved with this one yes. too So yes. that I think speaks Very highly and also probably one Of the reasons why HBO yeah. thinks this is one of The ones to go with
0: Yeah, I mean I love that he has his hands on both of these I, I want to put a little pin in that Martin thing there But going back to the yeah. talk, talk of the business It's a wonderful time I guess for us nerd folk That that you know if you you, know, you got the Picard series coming out That's going to pull some people in the, the, the oh, Discovery yeah. series And Star Wars and Marvel over on Disney plus, but it's, I do wonder, it makes a lot of sense if they're sitting around and I don't take it as a sign of trouble with this uh, other prequel series, the Naomi Watts led one, the Jane uh, Goldman one, because Jane Goodman one, excuse me, um, because it, it now means like, Hey, well, we could do both and probably do them well and make money off of both on both sides of it. I just make sense in a conference room. Someone's like, what if we gave them game of Thrones, uh, exclusive It just, that's just where we are at business wise.
1: Yeah, it's because you have to convince people to pay for your streaming service over the half a dozen, soon to probably be a dozen others that are in the offering. Do you know what I mean? Like there's just there's more and more. I finally cut the cord, Mm -hmm. so I don't. I no longer have cable or direct TV, but I do pay for Hulu (laughs) and Netflix and Amazon Prime, and you better believe Disney Plus will be added to the list. So you know that that's the. The, the trade off and the world that we're living in. So it, it's, it, it would be a smart business move to be honest, um, as much as, you know, there will be screaming fans and, and, yeah. and whatnot. But
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, again, it, it, it uh, if you space it out and and you give it a different time, uh, we're going to consume it. We're absolutely going to consume it. And I, I going back to the Martin thing. That's definitely what I want to talk about next. He's he's heavily involved with both of these, just as he was early on and through a lot of the early seasons of HBO's Game of Thrones. Like we we know yeah. that, and 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 he pulled off for reasons we'll never know and reasons he stated and actually often when george blogs something i generally believe and i think he's a pretty honest guy sometimes to a fault so i take that but he's really he's really excited about these he, this is his legacy he's all in on that and all jokes aside about him finishing the books I, i'm glad he's here doing this but as as history aficionados like you and i who love this book and i saw a couple of websites like oh this is the worst book to adapt okay maybe i enjoyed mm-hmm. the hell out of it and there's a lot of tension in this history there um could we live in a world as fans, uh, Rachel, where he kind of has to, with, with Condal, uh, maybe change some of the history, shorten it up, skip things? Is that? I think we're okay with the books, but without a doubt, book and show for the last eight years, we've always run into that battle. Are you prepared for something like that?
1: I yeah, I think that that having Game of Thrones come first helped. You know, for for that sort of mentality going in. Also, like I alluded to, like you and I and, and all Fire and Blood readers know, like there's no way you include every beat and every character. Yeah. There's there's just too many of them. I mean, he's literally listing every single Kingsguard member and, <laughs> and how many hands these people had and like, and, and the, you know, because we, we don't need all of that as much yeah. as like I did sort of eat it up. It, yeah. It's certainly not necessary. But what I do like and the, the reason why I love the long night show so much is because there's so little written about it. So there's a lot of creative freedom given to Jane Goldman and and her staff and, and, you know, the people that will be behind that show. This one has a little bit more um, (sighs) concrete information, but there's still pieces. For instance, just like something as simple as why Aegon did not, continue to pursue a uh, conquering mm, dorn the right. letter that nine sent mm-hmm. and and the letter that he read uh, on the on the throne and it convinced him to to make peace yeah. what was in the letter that is something the show could yeah take a stand on make a you know and make a moment out of and and, and you know it might not be what Martin had in mind, but, you know, I think Martin also realizes that, again, what works on the TV doesn't work as yeah, well as the books yeah. and vice versa. So so there's a, still a lot of room to combine characters, to, you know, shorten certain uh, time periods and, and leave out some things, but still get the main parts of the book that we fell in love with, but tell it in a unique, visual, television-oriented way. Um, And and like I said, take a stand on some of the characters. Some of them are painted very clearly. I I Mm. go back to Aegon. He's not. Yeah. He was like this very interesting character who's kind of closed off a little bit. Yeah. Like people like there's not a lot of personal information about him. He was obviously an amazing military leader, obviously good at, at convincing people <laughs> to do what he wanted them yeah. to do. And he was conciliatory and at the right mm-hmm. moments. And there's a lot going on, but there's way more information about his two sister wives in terms of personalities than there is about him. Yeah. So that's a character I want to see on the screen. And I want to see what those writers and that actor and that show,
0: Will say about that person? Yeah, I, you know, as, as I hear you talk, uh, there's so many thoughts going through my head. Number one, I, 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 the Age of Heroes. It's like I look at with the other series that we're like, all right, maybe George and and, and Jane are getting a chance to finally fill in those blanks that we we all have. This this yeah. era, there's. Kind of the, the blanks are more specific to what you're describing, like the letter. But there's yeah. so many little things there, and the characters like I'm. All, as you're talking, I'm like, what is what a serious idea of a of a Targaryen with a dream who hits an island? <laughs> and, and, and I know in there's several years he didn't just hit and conquer. The, the Targaryens yeah. have been over for a bit, but like a little a little boy and his sister wives with a dream have taken over the world. <laughs> That's an interesting thing. But also, like I walk, you could do this whole series from the point of view of Mushroom, uh, the the fool oh, right and. and and I'd be okay with it. The Tales yep. of Mushroom uh, from the court. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to go with it. But the important thing is we're going to have some options, Rachel, as fans.
1: Yeah, and that's what. And I think that that's what this whole multiple pilots and multiple writers and, and, and possible showrunners, that's what they were going for. They wanted to see with all of this incredibly rich story material what can we hone in on? What are the stories that fans of Game of Thrones will gravitate towards that remain true to the world but show mm. us something new and different? And I really I, – I think I still keep coming back to I love the idea that the two shows that are likely moving forward – one is set in ice and one is set in fire and like and we get to see that in an almost like a comparative way like that I think that that's just smart but also just really cool as a fan yeah,
0: talk about themes good one well yeah. we're gonna come back to this book in episodes uh, down the line Michelle Boyd's returning the show she actually uh, read the book as well and I'd love to get mm-hmm. you both uh, talking about it and and, and use your expertise Rachel I mean folks if you're listening you know I, she's just rattling this stuff off if you're new- the show. This is why Rachel's involved in in this, but in the time we have remaining here, Rachel, a couple of minutes, I do want to talk to you about where you are at right now with season eight, the show as a whole. Have you gone back and rewound? Have you put it on the shelf and just take a taking a breath? Have you reflected on it? Uh, where are you at as a fan right now?
1: It's really funny that you asked that now because we didn't talk about this before we decided to do this episode.
0: I wing it. This, I wing it. Yep.
1: Which uh, hey, that's part of what mm-hmm. I love. What we do mm-hmm. um, this week. I've been revisiting it. Um, oh, wow. that I, I was actually, and I don't often do this, but I was listening to our coverage mm. of the episodes and kind of comparing, like, we often did predictions towards the end of yeah. uh, Casterly <laughs> Talk about the following week. And it's amazing how much we nailed and then yeah. also how much we missed <laughs> by a mile. Um, <laughs> but it, it just, it got the wheels turning in terms of everything that, I was feeling about the the final season was wrapped up in as much of my expectations as it was in what was actually happening in front mm-hmm. of me, and so it it's nice to have taken a step back yeah. and you know expectations be done that's it's it's no longer part of it mm-hmm. to watch it as it is, and I know that we had to read a lot into things in order to you know yeah. to justify some of the leaps. There's those still exist no yeah. matter what we do. They're they're in there, but right. I still. I said it in our final podcast and I still agree that where it ended, where it landed pretty much where everybody ended at the, Mm -hmm. um, culmination of it all felt right and true to the characters. The journeys there sometimes were bumpy, but, Mm -hmm. um, but I did, I, I, I liked the final season. I really did. And, Mm -hmm. um, and in just on a whole production and spectacle level, it was beyond anything I've ever seen on television, which yeah. still is just so incredible to me.
0: Yeah, it is. That's that's interesting to take. I, I'm really, all, I'm going to constantly be interested in where you come down on it, because you were so um, emotionally moved uh, negatively and positively during certain moments yeah. in the season, and you're such a, a knowledgeable fan, uh, number one, but two, I know you, you connect and feel with a lot of these characters. It, it's that's it's important to me to see where you end up on a out of this, and I like where you say you are right now. um uh it, It's uh, it's important in this in this time uh, time of uh, topsy turvy fandom to just always out there. If you're listening, take a breath and go back and see, and you might discover more you love, more you don't like, more more you're okay with, more you're just like, eh, I'll have a beer during that scene. It doesn't matter. um So <laughs> it's interesting to see. Have you have you done a or con, wh- when are you? How about this? When? Because I know we're both in the when category. When are you going to? Do the full rewatch a year from now, two years from now?
1: I think that actually uh, probably around the year mark would be a good place to to revisit. And I know when, when I do, I want to revisit um, seven and eight together because I feel like there is a flow there that was interrupted for, you know, (sighs) how that we had a very long gap in between the two. Um, And I think it'll be very interesting to track things like, Um, John and Danny's chemistry and the evolution of that relationship and whether or not maybe there are little pieces in there that do... Lend themselves to yeah. to earn that final end and whatnot, um, you know things like that. You know, yeah. hindsight's twenty twenty, but knowing the end helps when you go back to the beginning, and then maybe now you're seeing. It's like the first time I read through the books, mm. I didn't pick up on R plus L equals J. It's right. the second time you do because you know what you've already read, and so now details that you uh, skipped yeah. over the first time now stand out. So I want I I think the show will will show that they had put thought into those little things um, Mm -hmm. sooner than we realized.
0: Can I... One final thought. We're going to throw another curveball at you here, all right? (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, We were talking on a recent episode of Caster Talk with a fan call and a question about John and Danny's romance. Now, not that they... People didn't buy it, but they weren't as moved by it, and it didn't the, it didn't necessarily pay pay off as much for them or or that kind of category. I, I keep coming back, and it's a great question. And it's a great thought, and I'm wondering maybe I, I keep going to that's what we might have s- supposed to have felt where these aren't the great love for mm-hmm. these two. It, it's Egret and, and Drogo, and it's the old song. You can't love the one you you want, you know, love the one you with, love the one you with, do 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 do, and sure. and and that. It was supposed to be like that in a way, and that's what I want to go back and watch and key in on that, too, where they felt things. Everything was real, yeah. but it's like that post-breakup, and you end up in a situation where you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I, right. guess, it's, I guess this guy.
1: <laughs> sure, because isn't that the, 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 you know, the, the adage or the saying is that like you know, whoever you're with is the right person for that time, that time. in your life? Yeah. You know, and so you have the great loves that are so about the emotion and about mm. the love and, and the feeling behind it. And that was definitely, I think, in both of those cases with Egret and Drogo. Um, but then, you know, relationships that come after that, you don't want to mimic the other one it's 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 you're in a relationship with a different person in a different time so it's a different kind of relationship um as viewers we're so judgmental though because we're looking (laughs) at it and we're like well this is what you had and now there's this you know so that the comparisons are (laughs) inevitable um but i do feel like john and danny you know were two loners Mm. and actually Similar in that loneliness and in that having those burdens that were placed upon them and having lived through the things that they lived to and lived through great loves and lost those great loves. And so that is actually part of why they connected, but they're just connecting in a different way than they did with those original loves. And, you know, uh, I, I do think the writing failed them at times. Uh, but I do Mm -hmm. think the actors did the best they could. And there were moments, I do remember some moments thinking there's something here. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I'm, I'm really actually very much looking forward to revisiting those and seeing what they, they add up to, um, in the end. So, yeah.
0: See, that's why we love having you around these parts, uh, Rachel. Such great stuff today. I can't I can't wait to talk uh, more about fly, Fire and Blood with you. I'm, 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 I'm actually, I would loaned the book out, uh, ah. and it's coming back to my house, and I'm going to start poking through it again when I'm not reading Star Wars books and comics for work. Uh, I'm <laughs> just going to start picking some of that stuff up again and getting into it. There's a lot there, uh, and we're yeah. going to dive into that and what the show might happen. You know, and again, these are prequel, uh, or excuse me, these are pilot scripts, and and we might never see some of these. They might, still might not happen, folks. It's just the way the business but uh there's the potential possibility which is why we're still doing casterly talk so much to talk about rachel i'm gonna let you go uh we got uh you know we're not gonna see you around the Schmoe down competing but i'm sure we'll see your face uh, around this world uh talking about the things you love and, and we're happy to have you here in casterly talk
1: anytime i can't wait to to get back in the studio and uh i I say i say we go all out we pick which fire and blood characters we want in the shows who who we cast as them like i my mind has been spinning since this news came out so uh, i can't wait
0: to talk again we'll do it that is uh rachel uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back on casterly talk with some quick uh answers to some previous what ifs and questions stick around this is casterly talk We're back here on Casterly Talks. Big thanks to Rachel. Taking time out of her uh, busy work schedule to call in here to Casterly Talk. Can't wait to have her back in the studio as well as Andres Cabrera, Lon Harris, the Lee Talk crew. I'm just kind of holding down the fort while we're all recovering from eight years of Game of Thrones. And, you know, pretty honest about it. You know, I'm continuing this podcast. And some people in my life, why are you still talking about Game of Thrones? Well, I'm talking about just Game of Thrones, I'm talking about the world of Ice and Fire. And if you're a fan, this fandom's still going strong because there's so much more to read, watch, listen to, and discuss. So thanks for being part of it here as the Casterly Talk audience. We appreciate it there. Speaking of the Casterly Talk audience, we've been doing a lot of those great what-ifs, everything. And and we talked about uh, recently about what if Stannis... Had brought Melisandre to the Battle of Blackwater Bay, and uh, we have an answer. Uh, and uh, we're gonna take a look right now. a listen, a look. Look and a listen. It's all the same. <laughs> Eric, back to talk more about it.
2: Hey, Ken Cashley talks. So I'm going to piggyback off of the question, you know, what would have happened if Stannis brought Melisandre to Blackwater and ask, what do you think would have happened if Stannis won? What what do you think the aftermath would have been? Do you think Tywin and the Tyrells get there and they see, you know, it's over, Stannis has taken over, do they retreat and... Former, maybe former rebellion against him. Maybe proclaim Marcella as the, who's of course adorned. Maybe they proclaim her the new queen because I do think Stannis would have killed the remaining Lannisters that were there, and also I think Stannis winning would have benefited Sansa Stark. I, I really think. He wouldn't have let anyone touch her because of Ned's support of him. And maybe, you know, as long as Rob, you know, didn't have any objections to him being king, he might have even let Sansa go. So what do you think would have happened if Stannis had prevailed?
0: all right so that what if uh, spawns out of the answer there uh at least from eric's point of view and and i i if stannis wins and he lops off the head of some Lannisters there and tywin's on the outside tywin is going to go scorched earth and i do think now that do the tyrells stick around does it benefit them i think they have no choice at this point they're on the outside of the gate figuratively literally there so i do think they re uh re uh, group and 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 Yeah. Do they declare? Well, see, you know, Marcella and Tommen, do they survive that battle? Do they survive that? No, I don't think they do. So I don't know if she's there to be the queen uh, unless, uh, you know, they well, yeah, they can go down to Dorne and and get a hold of her. Right. Yeah. okay. I like that idea there. I'm thinking aloud. But I think Tywin wages a war. I think the battle is not over for Stannis. And Melisandre would have to then uh, prove her worth time and time again. Uh, and then that's the big question, like we were talking about, what does Melisandre bring? I do like the idea that it'd be a little bit better for Sansa. Uh, I think it would work out okay. But then that's the other thing is Rob turn around and go, okay, great, Stannis is king. I'm king of the north now, but eh, he, he won. I'm, I'm flipping back around. That might be the different battle. And maybe it becomes the war of three kings. I don't know. I don't think it stops, which is part of the fun there. But Billy has a specific answer about if Melisandre had been at the Battle of Blackwater Bay.
2: Hey, Ken. It's Billy. I just wanted to call in about the what if Melisandre was with Stannis at the Battle of Blackwater. I actually think the opposite. I don't really think her presence there would have changed the outcome of the battle. Maybe she would have done some fancy magic and something would have changed. But I think the end result is Santa still loses his faith. is shaken quite a bit. Melisandre's faith in herself and her abilities are shaken earlier on compared to how it is in the show or the books. So, yeah, I think that Santa still loses... And nothing really changes with, Melis- with Melisandre being there. But if Sandus did win with Melisandre there, I think the Lannisters would become extinct very quickly.
0: Yeah, other than uh, Tywin and some uh, distant cousins no one cares about. I agree with that. Yeah, that's interesting to take it. I like this idea too of let's just say he, Melisandre is there and then the wildfire, uh, wildfire goes off and then she starts to – when does she lose her faith? You know, When does it happen on the show? It happens obviously later on with John and everything and she goes through this and, and it's perhaps to do with the idea that she believed status in her heart at one point was the answer. Then it wasn't. I guess it was wrong. So does she lose it in the battle? And is Stannis, a great warrior, a great military leader in mind, does he lose any faith in the battle? If he believes, I've got this secret weapon, this red witch, this red priestess, and we're still losing or things are still going wrong. It's Tosser overboard. It's not working. Uh, that's an interesting take there that it would have been no different, uh, according to Billy. i got some other calls and other things, and we're going to get to them uh, uh, next week and, and the weeks to come. If you haven't heard your call yet, don't worry. If you want to leave a call, all you have to do is get the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm slash casterlytalk and leave a voice memo. Uh, it is uh, you got about 59 seconds to get to your point. And you guys are so great with doing that, and it fuels this show. Uh, You all are the pundits uh, along with me here, and you guys get some great questions going in there. I um, am very, very excited about what's happening here with Game of Thrones uh, and how the idea of these two series, and I hope both of them go. I don't know at this point. I was thinking about it because the reality of the TV business, we've got all this hoopla and all this hype from us fans over – the Naomi Watts-led series uh, with her at the front and center as terms of, a, of an actor, uh, Jar, Jar Martin, Jane uh, Goodman producing and writing and all those good things. Um, and George isn't on a hands-on in that uh, capacity as much. He's just overseeing it, of course, with them. Um, it still might not go. It still might not go. This could completely collapse. And we never hear about this again. We never see it other than weird YouTube clips that leak out or anything like that. And I don't want to say we need a brace for impact. I have a lot of faith that it's going to work and that the creative team behind it is there. But that doesn't always necessarily mean it's going to go. It could be business decisions. And maybe people at HBO, uh, higher-ups, look at, well, let's get this other series going. Let's, let's do the Dance of Dragons based on the Fire and Blood book. Put it on HBO Max. Maybe that's all we need. Let's get everyone over there. These companies, these providers these these uh studios they want to win these streaming wars they want to win the streaming wars over in the star wars world the pressing the brakes on the movies the next one out in 2022 after episode 9 yeah there's a lot of different reasons but I, you can point pretty much just at the idea of the streaming wars and disney plus let's not put money and concentrate on the movies right now we're gonna develop them we're gonna write them we're gonna start making them yeah that's great we don't need a Star Wars movie in the theater till 2022. We're going to rest it a little bit because we need to put everything into Disney+. Plus, Marvel, Star Wars, we need to win. We need to win. Amazon, Lord of the Rings, we need to win. Witcher, Wheel of Time, all these big series. Who? What has a fan base? What has swords and sorcerers and sandals and dragons? And if you look across the bound, we got a good series going on here. We got the Age of Heroes, we got a lot of cool things, but we don't have dragons. We don't have a lot of magic. Yeah, maybe maybe there is more, but it's deep lore kind of magic. I heard one story, maybe Noemi Watts has played High Reborn in some way. Okay, I'm on board for that, but it's not as well known. And I mean, the Starks even are as powerful as we know it, or they're not as uh, you know, they're not the Starks we love we need to win the streaming wars, and the streaming wars might be dragons and Targaryens. None of that's true. None of that's confirmed. We don't know. But look out for it. It could be very much a HBO Max exclusive show. But here's the thing. Game of Thrones is still going strong. Look at all the Emmy nominations, people choice, People's Choice Awards for Season 8. Uh, and that's the thing. And I don't look... I'm not the type that puts a ton into... Critic reviews or awards. I'm a Beatles fan. How many Grammys did they win at the height of their popularity and influence in the 60s? Uh, like, I don't know. Zero? <laughs> Pat Boone won more. You know, I see, see a lot of these bands that they've had more Grammy wins than the Beatles. Well, yeah, they, yeah, it's just the way it is. And even on the fan side, People's Choice Awards. Look, man, sometimes yeah, a movie like The Transformers and uh, Not counting Bumblebee, uh, they do big, gross money everywhere. Gross amounts of money, and I'm okay with that. If people enjoy it, they enjoy it, but I wouldn't call those uh, my favorite movies, you know? And so you got to find out somewhere in the middle is a true story, but I do enjoy seeing the Game of Thrones season eight, getting some uh, nods, some noms, and some uh, recognition, and then also what Rachel was saying about I'm sure a lot of fans taking a, a breath and going back and looking at it. You have to put your expectations aside at some point. It happens a lot. My first view of Force Awakens was me holding my breath going, this better work. I enjoyed it more the second time when I could release, take a breath, and just take it all in. And that's sometimes forgotten in these fandoms these days. So that's the show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. A little short segment here in the back end, but your calls, your thoughts coming next week. And I do believe I I can say it. It's in the works. It's on our calendar. Uh, Michelle Boyd should be on next week's episode of Casterly Talk, the 36th edition. And uh, we're going to talk about fire and blood, everything, her thoughts. We we didn't really go to, we didn't go to microphone on uh, season eight together. We just talked, text and talked as friends, but uh, not as uh, pundits and colleagues. So we're talking a little bit about that. A lot of things. It is Casterly Talk. a look, world of ice and fire you can use the hashtag casterly talk on twitter find me at ken knapsack go to ken for information on my book why we love star wars other shows live appearances like the comedy show i'll be at november 16th in washington dc with mark ellis and friends at the comedy loft go to MarkellisLive.net for more information on where to buy tickets or my website for information all right that is it we'll see you next time on casterly talk